1: It's week one and it's listener questions live on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast with a little crossover with Chalk Talk with Coach Matt Minnick joining us. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined as always by John Sheeran and a special appearance by Matt Minnick. Uh
2: gentlemen, how are we doing? It's week one. It's doing a lot better before that Gino news came out, but <laughs> still looking forward to seeing Burrow this weekend.
3: Yeah, screw it. It's football I'll take it.
2: Right. For
1: those who have not heard, uh, unfortunately, some news just did just come across the wire that Geno Atkins is has been declared out. Um, There was some rumblings. There were some rumblings late yesterday, Thursday and early Friday that potentially he could uh, maybe be a game time decision. But unfortunately, he has been ruled out. So Um, that is a no go for him as is Sean Williams, who dealt with a training camp calf injury. So in case those of you who have not had a chance to hear about that, um, all of those injury, all of the injury news is on cincyjungle.com. So, uh, my colleagues, as well as Jason Markham and many others at Cincy Jungle do a great job of keeping everybody up to date with injury news and what's going on with the Bengals for week one, as they get set to host the Chargers. This, As I mentioned, this is Listener Questions Live, so as it usually goes, leave your questions in one of the chats, whether it's it, through the Facebook account, Cincy Jungle's Facebook account, if you're joining us there, our own YouTube page, leave it there. You can call or text us at 949-542-6241, or you can email us, theobinsider at gmail.com, and we're also looking at our Twitter account, at OBI. Did I mention the comment thread on Cincy Jungle if I didn't? You can, you can submit your questions there. So we've got an, a couple queued up. We'll be taking more. Let's get to it. And uh, let's let's queue it up, guys, with a text from the 513 area code. This actually came through a little bit earlier in the week. Um, just kind of a general question. How well do you think the offensive line will be overall based on what we've seen in training camp, you know, quote-unquote preseason practices all of that and of course the disclaimer i'm not sure about bobby hart john i know you've probably got some things to say about that especially in light of bobby hart's recent comments to the media this week
3: you can look at last night's game with the texans and chargers and see how bad one week leak along the offensive line can make it for the rest of your offense sean watson was running for a lot of his life uh in that game yesterday because titus howard had some trouble against frank clark and just in general the chiefs pass rush had had its way with some of those uncertain spots on the Texans offensive line. And that's really how you can describe the Bengals offensive line. It's a lot of uncertain spots, and we're not going to really know how well they progressed or how they regressed this offseason until we actually see them in in the game. And now, you know, the Chargers have a great starting defensive line in in Ingram and Bosa and even guys like Justin Jones and free agent signing Linval Joseph. They're going to create consistent pressure, and it's up to guys like Michael Jordan and Bobby Hart to hold up their end of the share because you're going into this game thinking that, you know, Jonah Williams and Trey Hopkins are going to hold their part and you would like to think that Xavier Suofilo is an upgrade over John Miller, but until we see those guys actually make the progressions that they need to make, it's a lot of uncertainty. And just a couple of bad plays from those guys can really, you know, tip tip the scales of how this offense is going to go.
1: Add any additional thoughts on the line there before we get to Annette, another question?
2: I would just say uh, at least they got Jonah, you know, uh, <laughs> because as much as we talk about Hart, left tackle was worse, especially at the beginning of the year. So, I mean, hopefully they, they understand that's the weakness now, and maybe that's where the chip blocks are coming in from the tight ends and running backs, and they're, they're doing something to help them out. Um, you know, we, we all were very excited last year about Fred Johnson, but the reports coming out of camp sound like he's just not there yet. And I'm a big Hakeem Energy guy. Dave Lapham is a huge Hakeem energy guy. I don't think he's going to be there this year either. So uh, we're going to have to ride with him. Yep, yep. Uh,
1: you know, I, I want you guys to pick and choose some as well, but I, I do want to I want to snake this one in here because we were just talking about Geno Atkins' injury. Um, we just got a text in from another five one three area code with Geno being out. How much of an impact do you think his absence will have when it comes to the pass rush? Do we run the same game with Mike Daniels in Geno's spot, or send out more linebackers and potentially blitz more? I want to hear from both of you. I will say this. If Geno was healthy this game and playing this game, this is a trademark domination Geno Atkins game because no Mike Pouncey at center. They will be doing a kind of musical chairs, them being the Chargers, in the middle of the of the offensive line. And we saw in recent years, especially Geno Atkins, when he went up against reserve, I think it was a Raiders game in either last year or the year before, he absolutely destroyed the Raiders when there were some reserve offensive linemen in there. He's already a force to be reckoned with anyway. Ben Baby joined our program this week and said, you know, the pass rush does begin with Geno Atkins. The Bengals have other pass rushers, but... Atkins is the guy. So I guess uh Matt, I'll, I'll kick it to you first here with some additional thoughts um, on this question from 513 via text.
2: I mean, it, it definitely hurts. I think we'll probably see more of Sam Hubbard kicked in to defensive tackle uh with uh with Lawson uh and and Dunlap both on the edges. Uh and and you know the, the listener makes a great point about the linebackers because a- Akeem Davis Gaither, he, he can get after the quarterback, but we, we talk about that a lot because the, the role he played, the position he played was kind of an edge slash nickel more than a linebacker uh, in college. But I mean, honestly, we, we, we've seen Logan Wilson uh, looking pretty good blitzing. We've seen uh, Marcus Bailey looking pretty good blitzing in, in, in some of their college clips. So uh, I could definitely see that being involved as well. I, I think Lou Anarumo is pretty creative with some of the things he does up front and Gino is a huge loss, but you know, I with the between Hubbard and those linebackers, uh, you know, hopefully they they find some different ways to attack them.
3: And if anyone who hasn't read uh, Matt's article, uh, it was just posted on Since the Jungle Today, what to know about the Bengals defense, definitely check that out because they can answer a lot of the questions that you have about a Gino Atkins list de- Bengals defense. because – A lot of times last year, and Matt kind of alluded to this, when they were in their nickel situations on obvious passing down, specifically third down, you had either Sam Hubbard lining up at three-technique defensive tackle, or you had him in the two-point stance kind of sugaring the A-gap along with either Sean Williams or a linebacker, most likely Dick Vigil in those cases. You're going to see similar looks to that as well this week, especially when you have to compensate for the lack of your best passer up front with Gino Atkins. Now in base, when they're just in their three defensive tackle formations or they're just in a, four, in, a in an even front with a three technique and a one technique, you're going to have Mike Daniels at that spot. That's what he was brought in to do, to, to just compliment him and, and keep him rotated. But now he has to start when he's out. That may limit the effectiveness of Daniels, but – like Matt said, you are going to have a lot of different type of blitzes and stunts and, and looks, and utilizing the athleticism of your linebackers now, because like at the end of the day, having talented pass rushers matters, but also having the ability to scheme pressure up with intent, with the talent you have that also matters a lot as well. And I think, like Matt said, and, and rumo has the ability to cook up some some blitzes that can confuse a, a I guess inexperienced an and kind of shuffled up Chargers offensive line.
1: Poor Zach Taylor, man. First year as a head coach doesn't have AJ Green, and then this year to start the season doesn't have his best defensive player in Gino Atkins. Guy can't catch a break. I feel bad for him.
2: It, it, uh, you know, it's scary too that it's almost like as ominous as the AJ thing too, where like they're acting like it's nothing, and now he's right. missing a game. And it, oh,
1: yeah. Hopefully, I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Let's hope it doesn't do that. And um, the other thing, as well as checking out Matt's. Uh, host that John referenced there. We did actually speak with Mike Daniels. John and I did a few weeks ago. Very entertaining interview. Very, uh, just a, just an awesome guy. And sounds like he's ready to play. He's a bit healthier. And you know, hopefully this higher profile role won't, won't take a toll on him and he'll be effective. I think he'll, he will be effective. Not probably Gino level effective, but uh, I think he's ready to go. John, where are we going next? Uh,
3: let's get to frequent listener Michael Jodden, uh, who's asking does Sample, your Sample stay in the in to help block the two addressers for most of the game um i kind of hope not honestly because i feel like that just affects the personnel that they're going to use for this game i want them to stay in 11 personnel i want them to still attack the charger secondary in the past game i want to see what joe burrow can do i know a lot of people were scared about having williams and hard blog ingram both the one-on-one but ultimately like that wasn't something that sample was good at last year now i know that that they that they've seen growth and sample this year in terms of his strength and conditioning and, and just his ability to block at the point of attack. But at the end of the day, if you keep in an extra blocker, you sacrifice an extra receiver downfield, and that just hurts your passing game more than you think it would help w- w- with the protection. So if they have to keep Yuzoma in to, I guess, pass block as that one tight end, or if they have to keep Mixon and Bernard in, in the backfield for extra protection a couple times, that's fine. But at the, at the end of the day, you have to trust in your first round pick in, in Jonah Williams to, to block a guy and both the one-on-one because how well that they pass in this game is going is ultimately going to determine how successful the offense is.
1: Matt, what, what do you think on that? Um, to me personally, to John's point, I, I just want to throw in this, you know, the Bengals unfortunately in the last couple of years, namely last year really limited Giovanni Bernard's impact as a, as an outlet receiver because they have been forced to, in obvious passing situations, when he's in there and could be a passing weapon, they've been forced to use him as an extra blocker because of the issues on the offensive
2: line. Yeah, and, and I think if the more you can get those guys out, and even just like spreading them out pre-snap, because uh, you know, as we talked about quite a bit this off season, you look at LSU in their empty formations. And you look at the Bengals, I and mean, when some of the empty stuff they ran last year, it's still eleven personnel. The tight end is going to be in the field. The running back is going to be in the field. The more you have those guys compacted in, the more possible pass rushers there are. Uh, if you spread out five guys wide, you've automatically taken at least five guys out as potential pass rushers because they're they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to give it up. They're going to have to show it, uh, or, or they're not going to be able to ever make it to the quarterback. So. Uh, keeping you know if you have a back in the backfield and you've got and you get the tight end lined up as a true tight end in passing situations or or an h-back type of role not spread out at all now you have, as an offense only have three guys spread out which means they can have you know eight guys lined up basically in the box and you don't know which ones are coming you know And, and and bobby hart could have the best pass set of his life against a against the defensive end, and that guy's dropping off and somebody else is running right by him. It doesn't do you any good. So um, I, I think he'll be involved, and And I wondered last year when they took him if that was partially to to be able to help out Hart. Uh, but I definitely want to see him spread out. I want to see him in the pass game as well.
3: It's such a testament to the running game too. Like The, the more spread out you, your offense is when you run the ball, the, the lighter the, that the box is for the defense, and it allows guys to win one-on-one situations But all the cr- – but also creates space for the running back. The more you condense things, the easier it is for the defense to react and counteract, which goes along with Matt's point as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Matt, T.S. up the next one, if you would. Is there something in the comments that you can see that uh, looks intriguing to you?
2: Oh, I don't know. I was—I honestly was just reading that one a second ago.
1: Okay. <laughs> let's, uh, then let's do this one. Let's Since we've been talking a little bit about the linebacker group, uh, we got a text from the 419 area code. Do you think the Bengals linebacker group – has the potential to be the best in the NFL. For me, that's a stretch, and it's especially a stretch this year because of the youth, um, you know, and then when you talk about, well, maybe a year or two down the road, they could be one of the top groups. Well, will you have Josh Bynes at that point? He's on a one-year contract, I don't know, but any additional thoughts from you guys, Matt?
2: I mean, it's it's super early, you know, uh, for one thing, there's nobody right now who you're thinking might be a future Bobby Wagner or somebody, you know. Right. And, and and I I like to use the uh, the reference that the difference between the Backstreet Boys and In was that In Sync had Justin, right? So that's why they were much better because they had the one dude. Uh, so somebody's gonna have to be the dude, and right now we're looking at a bunch of guys who were really day two talent guys you know none of them were were guys who were being seen as as uh first round picks or anything like that so somebody's going to they they all need to, to reach that second round third round potential but but somebody needs to step up and really be dominant before we start having that conversation
3: exactly like you're only going to have two on the field for the vast majority of your plays so a lot of it is predicated on how good is your best one and how bad is your worst one like like they don't have anyone close to anybody to anyone making like a pro bowl or anything like like they have the potential to be more competent than they have been years past and once they get to that level you will see an improvement in, in the defense as a whole but like come on like potentially be the very best like there's still a ton of talent at linebacker even if the position has been devalued over the past couple years we're not close to that
1: of all the bands and all the groups you could have chosen matt you went. You went. That's, uh, that's a clear example. I got to tell you, that's probably the first time on any of our po- podcasts so that have mentioned that group. Could have gone. Could have gone a number of ways. But but I get your point. I get your point. We'll move on in just a second. Again, I'm Anthony Kazenza with John Sheeran and Matt Minnick. We're doing listener questions live this week. A little crossover for Chalk Talk and the Orange and Black Insider. Two of the three shows on the Cincy Jungle podcast slate. We hope you enjoy all of the content we have been giving you. Matt, his videos, his his podcast with great interviews. John and I do a a handful of shows throughout the week. Hopefully you enjoy what we've been bringing you. A lot of interviews that we have been giving you, which has been our pleasure uh, to speak with a number of different folks associated with the Bengals and around the NFL. You can get all of our shows on basically any other audio podcast platform that you like. We have a YouTube channel. I believe it's under Matt this time. You can hit that subscribe logo, our little orange and black insider logo. Hit subscribe, yeah, somewhere around there. hit subscribe to that. Subscribe to our audio channels and uh, we we would love to have you listen to our programs as we continue to give you coverage. And one of the new things, we mentioned it earlier, that we will be doing is a pregame show to kick off every week, and it's presented by Narragansett Beer. We appreciate their support of this program and hope you will enjoy what we will be doing on Sunday. There's gonna be giveaways, interviews, all kinds of different things, and I gotta give props to my boy, Matt, for spearheading that show and that initiative and having Narragansett partner with this program. That's that's all That's all, Matt to my right there. So, uh, Matt, appreciate your your work on that, my friend. Absolutely. Uh,
3: so, uh, let's go back to the YouTube. Yeah. Uh, the comments section we have, one from Dave Lennox, who was asking essentially who is going to take Geno Atkins' reps at defense tackle. And I think we kind of alluded to it. But, Matt, I want to kick it to you because you, you learned some insight about Christian Covington's role. And I guess j- j- just kind of give us a little uh, – d- I guess, vision of what this front will be with three defense tackles and two defense tackles in that front.
2: Yeah. So it was kind of interesting. Ben baby uh, tweeted out the other day about uh to say he's comfortable playing from nose tackle to four tech. And I responded and said, well, that's weird. I wonder if he meant five tech. And he's like, no, well, he actually said four. I, so the four I is inside of the offensive tackle. So either a, a three technique or a 4 eye, they're both B-gap players. The interesting thing is he didn't say five technique. And when they're in the under front, uh, that would be a five technique, would be the, the guy outside the, the, the tackle. So Covington wasn't really talking about that particularly. So, I mean, maybe that's more of a something that, that, that Daniels would have to uh, end up doing and, and Covington would fit a little bit more strictly into like the Geno role. Uh, and by the way, we want to talk about this. when I'm talking about under it's, it's in the, the piece that, that came out today that uh, John was talking about earlier. Uh, but under is one of the three different fronts that they show out of their three defensive tackle looks. So that's going to be really important. It's about a third of their snaps uh, out of that personnel grouping. Uh, it's not the most common, but it's about a third of the time in that personnel grouping that, that they, that they run that. Uh, so, that is, you know, a bit of a, a bit of an important role and something to think about with that, uh, that, that that could end up being Daniels. And now without Gino, they're they're definitely very, very thin uh, at the at the defensive tackle position. Andrew Brown listed now, on wow. the depth chart as a defensive tackle, um, which is something that a lot of people have been calling for for some time. But uh, last year they started in one game at edge and he is only, I think, like 290. So. He might be a little better in that in that that type of role uh, as a five tech than uh, than farther inside. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'd be interesting to see how those guys are used, especially because yeah, to stop the run, they go to that uh, that three defensive tackle look.
3: Which is again a, a traditional thirty-four d- defensive front with an odd man front with five defensive linemen. The two of the guys are just edge rushers in the two-point stance. But Anthony is interesting because you you have the trade for Christian Covington, who at, at the surface looks like a guy who could replace a role that Josh Tupo played, but now he's kind of being um, expected to play a larger role to make up for the loss of uh, of Geno Atkins. And I think there's just going to be a lot of rotation at a lot of those spots because uh, you know Daniels talked about he's flexible and and he's being yeah. asked to play multiple different roles. And, and D.J. Rear, that was one of his big trades from Houston where he played most of his snaps last year with the Texans at the three technique as a B-gap defender, but he's being asked to play more of a nose role here, and he might just m- maybe stay there for the for the lack of depth there. But it's going to be interesting to see where these guys end up playing for this first week.
1: Yeah, and Reader also lost some weight, and I think his hope was to kind of shuffle around the line a little bit as well in different spots just because that's what Lou Anarumo wanted. And then all of a sudden you take kind of the centerpiece of that defense out. I mean, Geno Atkins, and now – You know, guys get a little more, um, you know, there's not a lot of fluidity in terms of what guys are trying to do up front. You lose a little bit of that, which was a goal of the team this off season to to bring that on defense and and mix up the looks. And unfortunately, you know, they're, they're going to have to, kind of scrambled to make do here. But at least with the Mike Daniels signing, DJ Reader, et cetera, at least the Bengals did not sit on their hands this offseason, especially when they signed Daniels. You know, they could have said, hey, we already got Reader. We spent a bunch of money there. We don't need more. Um, they still – they weren't satisfied. And may, maybe something with Gino, I don't – this is, hasn't been reported. Maybe there's something with Gino already lingering there. I don't know. Um, probably not. But they just – wanted more depth. And thankfully they did make that signing because, uh, it looks, looks pretty wise at this point. Um, I want to go here guys. There's, we got a text and there's a Facebook comment. Uh, WS McKinney says, "Will they go five wide. The text said, uh, do you see Ross Higgins and Tate all splitting snaps? Or do you see one of the three getting significantly more snaps than the other two? Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Tate could be a really effective weapon in the red zone. Most definitely to the last part of the comment in terms of my opinion. Tate is with his size and his catch radius. That is where he should excel. Uh, also on third downs. But how do you guys see the the wide receiver rotation playing out? I know Joe Burrow in college at LSU liked to have it spread out. Uh, a lot of guys split out. A lot of different targets. You've got two backs that are able to catch out of the backfield. Hopefully he's now gaining rapport with Uzama and Sample. So how do you see the wide receiver group playing out, especially with guys like Higgins and Tate, who are slated to kind of be your four or five options?
3: I I think all three of those guys have a a good – a good case here because you have Ross penciled in as a starter, but when green was out, you had on Tay taking the snaps as the X as the number one. And as soon as T Higgins was able to return from his hamstring injury, they gave him snaps immediately with those starters as soon as he was able to. So I think there's trust with all three of those guys now. Um, and Zach Taylor alluded to in his press conference, when talking about AJ green, that they want to utilize as much of that rotation as possible. So they're not going to try it out AJ green for 90, 95% of the snaps if they don't have to, and i think that i think that's smart because at, at this point you know you don't really need aj green to be to be the dominant you know the, the one engine that runs this entire offense if you have other capable guys and a quarterback that can distribute the ball pretty equally among all of them so i think you're going to see tate a lot in the in the role in, in the the alignment that green was used to but i think you're still going to see plenty of ross and Higgins is interesting because I don't know if they're going to trot him out for like 30, 40 snaps right out of the get-go, especially when you have Green healthy like that. But I think you're going to see an amount of Tate. You're going to obviously see Ross when they have three wide receivers out there. If the question is five wide receivers in general, I don't think that's a personnel formation that you're going to see that often, if not at all, because they still want to utilize Uzoma and the running backs. But I definitely think you're going to see a lot of Tate rotating in that with Green.
2: Yeah, and I would say – Tyler Boyd's the man. And I think Tyler Boyd is probably going to, we're going to come out of this year and, and see Tyler Boyd as the primary receiver. But I think that AJ green and John Ross are the type of guys who keep defensive coordinators up at night. So between both of them, we're obviously concerned about injuries with both of them. I would want one of them on the field on 99% of place, uh, because you, you have to account for that guy. It, either one of those guys spread out makes it really hard for a defensive coordinator to say, we're going to, we're going to play zero coverage and we're not going to have any help over the top, which limits them uh, with blitzes. Whereas I don't think, I mean, maybe, maybe T. Higgins is that guy, uh, you know, at some point, but he doesn't have that reputation yet. Um, obviously on take can do some things. He can go up and I, I think he's going to be a weapon, but I think those guys will affect the defensive play caller to the point where you want to make sure one of those guys is is on the field at all times um but yeah i mean it's it's one of those things it's a great problem to have and and we're gonna see that's a mark of a of a good coordinator too you know i think finding ways to win when you don't have the talent uh and scheming ways to win when you don't have the talent is, is something that good coordinators can do and something uh that the Bengals struggled with last year but another thing is when you have a lot of talent how do you use it and how do you find who's going to be most effective and, and who's going to match up best uh, in the situation that, that you're looking at?
1: Casey Hayward, the cornerback of the Chargers, recently told the media that he thinks the Bengals' skill position group, backs and receivers, are among the tops in the league, maybe even a rival that of the Chiefs. They were on display Thursday night, obviously. So quite the compliment there by Casey Hayward, who in his own right is a very good defensive back as well. Guys, am I out of my element in saying, you know, if, if you're talking about Tyler Boyd, you said, Matt, you made a comment, Green and Ross are the ones who give the headaches to opposing defensive coordinators. Am I out of my element and kind of saying, you know, Ross and Green are your Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson is your Tyler Boyd if you're going to compare it to Joe Burrow because it seems that Boyd and Burrow have built up this rapport throughout training camp and you kind of move Boyd around a little bit. He plays mostly inside but does play outside.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to, to see how that dynamic works. Uh, the, um, the Chargers have uh, Chris Harris Jr. who plays – Slot corner and can play outside, but he's a very good player. So we'll see how that matchup works. If, if they do decide to put him on Boyd, if they kick him outside to have him on AJ and uh um uh and, and you know use Desmond King inside. Uh it would be definitely be interesting to see how they decide to, to match up with those guys. But I do think because he's been healthy, Boyd has had that natural connection. And as you kind of alluded to, like Justin Jefferson. You know, Jamar Chase is, is probably going to be a top five pick uh, from where we're sitting right now with things. But Justin Jefferson seemed to be the guy that, that Burrow trusted and that he wanted to go to. So if those are the routes, if that's the area we are going to see Tyler Boyd, you know, I would definitely expect to see the ball, you know, getting thrown at him quite a bit.
3: I wanted to go back to a point that Matt made because I think it's a fantastic point when, when talking about just – like for how good Tyler Boyd is, for how talented that he is, like his dynamism, his dynamicness as a receiver does not match that of a green or a Ross. And he's right. Like that's that's those are the types of talents and athletes that dictate what coverages that you play And the Bengals were such a post child last year of the defense is allowing to play like a defense, a defense's dream would be to just play man coverage and get away with it. And that's how the Bengals passing offense was so limited last year, because they didn't have any athletes that could separate from man coverage. And they could just have man across the board. And then you have a quarterback in Andy Dalton that doesn't really throw guys open or, or can't really throw into tight windows. So it was just, uh, it was, it was a complete disaster from all, both those standpoints. So when, so when you add those two dynamic athletes and green and Ross back onto the field, it makes all the difference and allows for a guy like Boyd to produce more because remember like boyd's production in 2018 when green was on the field it was so much more efficient and effective even if the volume stats didn't really change that much because he still ended up having a thousand yards in 2019 but his effectiveness on a per play snap was so much better with the presence of green on the field
1: this is why i love having both you guys on you guys are just way smarter than i am uh and if you prove it on a show-to-show basis i love it
4: (laughs) support for this show comes from sylvan learning and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Uh, we're going to be here a couple more minutes. If you want to shoot us a text or give us a call, 949-542-6241, we'll try and get you on the air. If you want, leave a comment in one of the many live chats that we have. Uh, we'll also take a peek at our Twitter account, et cetera. So, um, you know, get a question in if you want. Uh, gentlemen, have you seen one here in the live chats that have has recently intrigued you? A question. Hmm.
2: This isn't so much a question. Uh, it's probably part of a conversation somebody's having in here, but um, uh, I've got one that's, uh, did I make it disappear? I think I made it disappear. What am I doing? Oh, there it is. Uh, you know, talking about how Sample is, has built a rapport with uh, with Burrow as well, um, I really think that that's something to consider. Is that we've got young linebackers, and they have a young linebacker uh, and and Kenneth Murray, and and then you know some slower linebackers like the Bengals used to have too. So I think a lot of plays in the passing game, similar to that scrimmage, could be made from the tight end and running back positions. So I could definitely see Sample and Uzama and Hopefully, Gio and, and, and uh, uh, Joe Mixon getting quite a few targets. Just like on the other side of the field, uh, Austin Eckler and Hunter Henry are the guys that I'm most afraid of.
3: Yeah, and in um, our weekly show on Wednesday, we, you know me and Anthony made some bold predictions, and I predicted that Burrow's first touchdown will go to either Yuzoma or Sample. From, from what we've heard, like they, like those have been two guys that have been prominent targets in their 11-11 periods. And, you know, I don't know if it's indicative of what the offense will actually look like when they have another defense out there because at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who does the defense take away and where is the, where, do the, where do the soft spots open up and who ends up coming open on these types of things. But, you know, for an offense that was so 11 heavy in terms of personnel usage last year, I think you will see more Drew Sample than you you, you did last year because they want to try to get him more, more involved and maybe rotate him more with C.J. Zom. I don't know how much, how much we're going to see both of them on the field at a time. But I think there is something to the, the, the reports of Burroughs connection with sample. And maybe we will see some opportune production opportunities for them.
2: I feel like I've heard a lot about, well, we were talking a lot about sample in the offseason season. I think people were kind of expecting him, the people that didn't sell, him, you know, get, like just uh, dismiss him because of where he was drafted. Uh, we're kind of expecting there to be a big year for him, but it really feels like CJ's fighting, you know, to, mm-hmm. to be the primary guy there. And, I think people we we tend to look at CJ Uzama and think he took a step back last year. He had some drop balls that we tend to remember, but the reason statistically he took a step back was because Tyler Boy or Tyler Eifert, excuse me, was healthy all year. You know, so they're just he just wasn't getting all the targets. He wasn't getting as many reps because they had a a healthy Eifert out there. So I mean, yeah, don't don't discount either one of those guys. Um, You know, I I think that we're going to see you know, between the two of them, they're probably going to have 60 receptions and, and 600 yards. You know, it's probably, you know, it might not be an, an even split, but, you know, uh, one of those guys is, is probably going to be over 400 yards and, and like uh, 40 receptions on the year. And we'll just kind of kind of see how it shakes
1: out, I guess. Extending drives is the key there for those guys, moving the chains and being effective in the red zone for sure. John, did you see one? Looks like you you got the eagle eye there. You got? Did you see one in there?
3: Oh, this is my relaxed face, but I was looking at a question. All <laughs> Mac in the YouTube comment section. You guys expect to see the game speed to be a bit sluggish, similar to how KC in Texas game was? Uh, Anthony, I'll go to you first.
1: I, I do not expect this to be a well-played game in terms of, you know, if you're comparing it to playoff football or middle of the season NFL football. Um, it's gonna be sloppy there were no preseason games uh, it may even be sloppy from an officiating standpoint right the officials haven't even been able to get into preseason games and get get ample game time so you may see calls that may want you may want to pull your hair out um, so I, I think it's going to be sloppy um, there may be is there a chance of rain I don't I don't live in Cincinnati but is there a chance of rain uh, coming up John maybe maybe you know um, so the weather may not be all that great. Um that could affect some some things on both sides of the ball. Tyrod Taylor hasn't started a football game in a long time. That could, you know, show show up. So I I do not expect this to be a pretty game whoever comes out victorious.
3: I'm actually not in Cincinnati at the moment, but looking at the weather forecast it's supposed to be rainy in the morning and then by about kickoff it's like a 15% chance of rain.
2: Okay. Yeah, I would say uh it's bound to be sloppy, and and I think, again, this is this is a way that you measure coaches and you look at coaches, how well they come out of this. Uh, I have been a, a staunch supporter of, of Bill O'Brien, not the GM, but the coach, uh, and I was a little bit disappointed last night. Uh, I think Anthony Lynn is a very good football coach. Uh, I don't know that he gets the credit he deserves, and, you know – it was 2-14 and 14 last year, so the, the jury is really still out in this Bengals staff. So, you know, if they can come out and, and look pretty pretty sharp and, and be executing and not have a lot of, you know, boneheaded penalties or, or miscues, false starts, things like that, um, that would be a very good sign for, for things to come for this coaching staff. Uh, obviously, having officials present would have been great in the past. And, you know, as we know, they wanted them for the uh, scrimmage. They were expecting them for the scrimmage, and the NFL would not allow the – Officials to to be there because they hadn't been through the uh, the COVID protocol, um, and another thing to mention with the with the officials, by the way, uh, Anthony, is that the officials we saw last night, those are the type of officials they put on a nationally televised game as the first football game in, in eight months or whatever. So uh, I don't know I, I don't know who the crew is for the Bengals game, but they're probably a few uh, a few uh, pegs down the down the chain there. So. Uh, not exactly the A-team.
1: Yeah, probably not going to be a pretty one week one in terms of on-field play, officiating, all of that. But, um, hey, if the Bengals come out 1-0, that's that's kind of what matters here. I've got, I've got a couple of texts that have come through, guys, and we're going to play a little bit of the old drinking game, would you rather, or the old schoolyard game, would you rather. Um, so we have a text from an international number, I think, uh, basically asking if you're Bosa, Ingram, uh, Miles Garrett, or Olivier Vernon. Playing the Bengals in week one and two, are you preferring the experience but poor? Are you, are you preferring to go up against an experienced but potentially poor right tackle and Bobby Hart or a rookie, inexperienced, potentially high ceiling left tackle and Jonah Williams? I know there's a lot of words there. So that's one. And the other, what matters more, Gino being out or AJ being back?
2: Oh, Ooh. man. Well the first question is a lot easier than the second. yeah uh, I, w- I want to go against Hart all day. Uh, you know and one of the things is you know, like there's inexperience with Williams but he's also an unknown to those guys that they they don't have film on him really unless they're watching you know him from from Alabama so um, I I want to go against Bobby Hart uh, definitely in that situation.
3: I mean, yeah. Uh, also because at the end of the day with players film is king, is king and that's all that really matters and the 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 film that they have on williams it goes back to 2019 it goes back to college but it's still a hell of a lot better than the film that hearts put on at the end like we've mentioned this a couple times like hearts had mainly an easy ride last year where he didn't face a lot of talented edge rushers. And that's why the production for him wasn't as bad as maybe the talent is for him. But like these next two weeks, he's going to be put to the absolute test. And every time that one of those four guys is going up against them, they have the advantage with Williams. There's just, there's just a higher level. There's just a higher level of talent there. And like Matt said, there's more of an unknown because they don't really know how, you know, what, how his game has evolved in the time that he hasn't played. So there, there is less to know about Him from a scouting perspective, but also with with hard, you know, what you have in there and it's not very good.
1: I'm going to go with the second question because I think you guys hit the nail on the head with with the offensive line in terms of what matters more. AJ being back, Gino being out, you guys are welcome to answer it as well. But I'm going to say AJ being back matters more. Personally, you got to score points if you watch the game on Thursday night court. Yes, defensive play obviously matters a lot. Especially when you're going up against a guy like Patrick Mahomes, but Deshaun Watson put up what seven points last night. They didn't have, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore, right? They don't have that guy anymore to help out their offense. Now the Bengals do have some other players at wide receiver, but having an AJ Green back is immense. The Bengals did bring back Mike or bring in Mike Daniels on the defensive line. Maybe it's a band aid for Week One, and it, it, they can get by with that as well as DJ Reader. Um, A.J. Green, we, guys, we know the record of the Bengals when A.J. Green plays and when he doesn't play. It's very, very poor when he is not on the field. Granted, different quarterback now, but AJ, the A.J. Green effect is huge. And, yeah, we've been spoiled with Geno Atkins being healthy, but if we're saying what matters more, maybe maybe I'm just saying it because Geno's out and I'm hoping so. <laughs> uh, I, I think A.J. Green being back uh, matters matters more than, than Geno being out. I don't know if you guys have additional thoughts on that.
3: I'll say this. I think when you compare both of them, they're equally impactful and talented at the, at the respective positions that they play. The numbers say that, that wide receivers are a little bit more valuable than interior defensive linemen. But when they're as impactful as they are, the, the, the gap is not as, is not as far. So I think it still leans on green, but there's also this aspect to go with too. Who are they going up against? Because as, as Matt and us talked about, like this, Chargers secondary is really talented, especially a cornerback like Casey Hayward, Chris Harris Jr. Those guys can, can play any any single day and they can match up with anybody and more times than not win. So we, the, the advantage of having Green back to face those guys, you know, have to rely on guys like on T. Higgins to separate a, a, against them and to win and against them consistently, that matters a lot more than having, I guess, a rotation of Mike Daniels and Andrew Brown, a three technique, going up against a battered interior Chargers offensive line.
2: Yeah, I got to go with Green here too. Um, and, you know, Everybody, uh, everybody that knows me knows that I'm I'm uh, kind of an old school guy, and I'm I'm always making cases for for defense can win you football games. But no, nah, I mean they they need AJ, you know, and, and we saw it last year. And a lot of these receivers that we're talking about, and we're talking about how great this receiver group is, and a lot of these guys were here last year, but AJ wasn't, <laughs> you know. And so uh, you know, obviously the quarterback situation was different too. But uh, but as we said, without without Somebody to to threaten the defense. It's really hard for, for Tyler Boyd to make plays on his own. Um, Auden Tate doesn't necessarily need separation because of what his skill set is, but he ain't getting it either. So uh, I think I think Green's a bigger deal. And I mean, and and you look at it too. And there's some great examples in that that Texans game last night where Deshaun threw some good balls. Yep. Where the receivers just weren't reacting. Like, like they just weren't in sync. They didn't, they weren't, they weren't playing on the way they should. And like it, and actually I'm thinking of two cases right now. And I think was both cases were Will Fuller. So it's not even like it's the new guys that just aren't on the same page with him. So, you know, having that guy out there that, that is smart can adjust can, can make plays um, will hopefully make the day a lot less frustrating for Joe Burrow. Cause I mean, I, I like, I felt bad for Watson last night. Cause like I was like in the third quarter, I'm like, man, this guy's just trying to win out there by himself. Yeah. If Deshaun Watson wasn't
3: paid, I think I would just eternally feel bad for him in this situation. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
1: He got he got paid pretty well. He got paid pretty well and deservedly because he is he's a good football player.
2: <laughs> yeah, I definitely better to give him that money than to uh, and and uh, be forced to trade Hopkins than to keep Hopkins and and roll out there with AJ McCarron or something. So
1: yeah, yeah. That's true. It's <laughs> a good point uh guys we're we're running up against it um you know we we try and keep these between 30 and 45 minutes we're going a little little up against 45 minutes are there any other questions we need to get to we've got to we've gotten to a lot are there any that you see that we want to get to before we hop on out of here
2: i see one that uh, might be fun here josh holland uh on facebook most improved player for this year
1: i saw that earlier uh you know, I mean, it it, it depends. Does the play? I mean, it, the easy answer would be Jonah Williams because he didn't play at all last year. But um, you know, I, I know it is a cop out. Um, I'll say Jermaine Pratt. Um, not that he played poorly last year, but it was it was a limited sample size. The defense played better when he was in there. They they limited some of the damage. He didn't make many outstanding plays, but was just solid. Uh, he was still learning. So, uh, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to say Jermaine Pratt uh, because he is penciled in as a, quote, unquote, he's at the top one of the linebacker spots on the depth chart. We know that doesn't mean all that much, but he's going to see more time. I think he's a talented kid. I don't think he's ever going to be a, a pro bowler or a star player in the league, but I think he's going to be a solid player. And uh, I liked what I saw out of him. The defense just steadied a bit with him in there last year. He's going to see more snaps. So
2: I'll go with Pratt.
3: Matt, do you yeah, want to go Phillips?
2: I, yeah, I'll go Phillips. Um, so I, look, he's finally getting the chance. We've all been waiting for it. We know this dude can make plays. You know, uh, he's, a, he's a touch on the short side. Uh, but, yeah, he played in eight games last year and had four picks. Uh, we saw in his college career, he, he did play at a mid-major. But in his college career, uh, I think he had 15 touchdowns. Like he had one at receiver one year, and then he had like uh, five kickoff returns, one punt return, and, and a handful of interception returns as well. So I mean, this is a dude that can make some plays, and and this Bengals defense is is desperate for that guy. And you know, just imagine if if, if William Jackson can be what William Jackson can be, and then the other guy is Darius Phillips, you know, making plays all over the field like that. That would that's a pretty good defense right there. I'll keep it on the defensive side of the ball, and I think the
3: important distinction here is that he, is, is that it's it's someone that we have that we believe has the capability of being a lot better than what they are. And I think that applies to Jesse Bates a lot. Mm. We saw last year, we saw last year just a, a notable regression, and it was kind of a roller coaster year for him because he was he was doing well in, in one part, and then he kind of he was he was doing he, he, still, he did oh, sorry. He did not start off well last year. Right. And then he kind of improved as the year went on. But it's still at the end of the day, just was not as good as his rookie year. But I think he does have the ability to play at a Pro Bowl level. And I think with more continuity in the secondary, a guy who's competent in Von Bell to run with and just having a second year in that system, I think we we, we can see a more improved version of Jesse Bates. And like last year wasn't just about Tackling because he had 23 missed tackles, but it was also coverage. Like he was giving up a lot more plays and just a lot more miscommunication back there. So I think if everything is just more cohesive, there we'll, we'll see more, a similar version of 2018 Jesse Bates. And especially now, like like his, his agent, like he just signed like Deshaun Watson, uh, Jalen Ramsey DeM- mega deals. Like he's looking to make the, to break the bank next year in 2021, and hopefully the Bengals are willing to do that because if he has the year that I think he can have, I think he can break end up breaking the bank.
1: The Bengals do have, uh, you know, Phillips, a contingency plan, you you, you know, for Trey Waynes, his injury would be a good problem, Matt, for the Bengals to have if he steps in and plays well. When Waynes eventually comes back, I'm sure he's going to be an IR return guy. Bates, to your point, John, um, like you said, kind of a Jekyll and Hyde player last year, right? I mean, started off just not very well, and then um, towards the end, kind of grabbed some of those interceptions, far more consistent. As a rookie, Josh Holland, my friend, and your Facebook profile pic, you've got quite the beard. It is, uh, that is an epic beard, man. <laughs> Very
3: impressive. Good for you.
1: Uh, John, any others that uh, you want to grab before we hop on out of here?
3: I guess people are asking about, like, other predictions or projections for, for, for this game. Um, I know someone asked about mixing. I, I think... Um, it, it's more about like you know how much involved is he is he going to be, and ultimately that's going to come down to you know how the game is going to go. I think they still want to like build it around Mixon and, and, and you know try to make him the center centerpiece of an offense that like uh, and, and it goes back to like how the game is going to go from like a, a style standpoint if it's going to be a, a good game to watch or not. I, I think like. I don't know how much they're going to put on Burrow in this game. I think it, it'll matter a lot how well he does, but this is his first ever game ever. He didn't have a preseason. He only had a couple scrimmages to walk through and whatnot. He's going up against a live defense that has talent on all three levels, and it will it, I, I don't know if they're going to put it all, most of it on Mixon to start off, but and if they it, if it get to the point where they're down a couple touchdowns, they have to go to Burrow because they can't come back just running – with Mixon in in, in that stance, So I think ideally they would want to have Mixon get like 20 carries because at that point, you know, that the game is, is well in the Bengals hands, but you know, how much are they going to put on Burrow in terms of opening the playbook up to him and putting it all on him? Because uh, again, if they're down to a a Chargers team that's more talented and and more experienced, then they can't really do that with Mixon. They can't really have the offense run through him when they need to score points.
2: Yeah. Burrow and we're playing the chargers here, but uh, Burrow is not Ryan Leaf. Mentally, you know, um, and I feel a little bad saying that because obviously he had some demons to overcome later in his life. But, uh, but what I mean by that is, I think if they try and put a lot on Burrow, he's gonna be fine. Like he has the mental strength to uh, to deal with the pressure that's on him right now. I think he, if he's throws three picks and he's being terribly criticized by everybody, I think he he can say. F it and go out and, and have a great game against Cleveland. Um, so I'm not, a, I'm not afraid where I would be with a lot of quarterbacks to, to do that with him. But I, I do think they will lean on uh, Mixon. And I think that – and, and I've, I've said this in a lot of different mediums uh, over the last few weeks. But look, the Bengals O-line got better over the course of last year. When they changed the scheme, is is is, you know John wrote extensively about when it happened. Mixon ran for eight hundred and seventeen yards at the end of the season. Like they were running better at the end of the season. He can get things going, uh, and and that's going to help Bobby (laughs) Hart. It's going to help deal with some of that pass rush uh, to be you know be able to run the ball a little bit too. So uh, I I would expect Mixon to have a have a big time game. I don't know what's going to happen because I don't know who they're going to match up with Boyd. But outside of that, I would think that we're going to get a lot of targets in the pass game to, to tight ends and running backs.
1: Part of me wants the team to get a nice little lead and be able to do that old school ground and pound at the end. What the Steelers always used to do to the Bengals, right? They'd get that lead and then that you'd see Jerome Bettis just three yards, four yards, seven yards. And it just extends the fourth quarter and they, they play uh, keep away with the ball and you know Burrow got him out to a nice lead and Joe Mixon's just plugging away at the end of the game and the Bengals just have a nice comfortable win. Part of me also would like to see in a way Joe Burrow come back from behind and win a game and show that show that kind of fortitude and that uh, you know that, that mental toughness that you're talking about, Matt. Um, you know, these first two weeks in terms of Joe Burrow are going to tell me a lot. Not only, you know, like you said, what he can, can handle right away without any preseason games, that was a good point by both of you, but also short week, primetime game, divisional game on the road on Thursday night and and how he performs there. That Those two games, I know we're focusing on week one, but those two games are going to tell me a lot at the beginning of his career, I think. Um, not to say that if he plays poorly in both, walk him down the drain type of thing, but um, you know, I, I think that if he plays well in both of those games, that's going to, that's going to say a lot in terms of the trajectory of his career in terms of what to expect this week. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm not expecting a pretty football game. I am not expecting a pretty football game. I think there's gonna be a lot of penalties, hopefully not a lot of injuries. I think there's just going to be a lot of issues and probably a weird score. Um, not great weather, so I mean, I don't, I don't, I already gave a bold prediction in our show on Wednesday, which I'm not very confident about, and I don't really like. But I, I thought <laughs> I'd go or go home. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't really have a bold one to give, except for really just the fact that I don't expect a pretty game. John, I thought about your prediction on our Wednesday show, and I thought, and the more I thought about, it, the more I, I just agree with it in terms of the Bengals may come out and score or will come out and score a touchdown maybe on that opening drive. Those are the drives that are scripted. Those are the drives that they've, you know, the first couple, they, they've got a script there and they practice those throughout walkthroughs and up leading up to the game, et cetera. And, and you know, I think that Joe Burrow being who he is and these this offense being who they are, you know, I, I think that was a pretty solid prediction on your part in terms of, you know, whether or not they follow it up down the road with more points. I don't know, but I think early on, you might see some early fireworks in that first drive. And uh, the more I thought about that, I thought it was a good one. Guys, this has been a a great show. I wanna remind everybody to get our show, the Orange and Black Insider, Matt Minix Chalk Talk. Those are both on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, wherever you get your audio podcasts. They're also on, both of the shows are on our Orange and Black Insider uh, YouTube channel, so subscribe to that. Cincy Jungle also has another podcast, The Orange, uh, Orange is the New Black with Ace Boogie and Zim Hude. Be sure to check out that one. They're doing some great stuff on that show as well. New Stripe City is their YouTube channel, so be sure to subscribe to that and keep it to us not only for listener questions live that we do towards the end of the week. We do, John and I do our Wednesday deep dive analysis show. We do a Monday news jump to get you started with all your Bengals and NFL news at the beginning of the week, but we've also got now with the three of us the pregame show on Sunday. So you won't want to miss that a little more casual a little more fun. There'll be interviews, giveaways, all that good stuff. So you won't want to miss that. Somebody asked what time I believe we're going to do it about an hour up to kickoff uh, or shortly before kickoff. Um, so, you know, the Bengals kickoff at one Oh five or four Oh five for you guys. <laughs> um, so we will, uh, it'll probably be from about three to four or so. Um, and uh, we'll go from there and uh, we'll have some fun, right guys. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your guys' time. I know it's been a busy week for all of us. We've put in a lot of time covering the team, putting a lot of time on the podcast. Go enjoy your weekends. I hope everybody else enjoys theirs as well who is tuning in. We appreciate the support of this program. Enjoy week one. We'll see you for the pregame show. And uh, who day?
2: Who day?